say hi hello oh you moved and it like the way that you moved it looked like the screen went blank for a split second so that kind of scared me some brujeria shit <laughs> well um sweet welcome to coffee with strangers i'm your host money and that other voice that you're hearing is my cousin janetzi or netzi um this is going to be a different kind of episode in the sense that I'm helping. It's a two for one, two birds on its own. We're bleh. Nancy has an assignment, and it kind of ended up being like, do a little podcast. And and she was like, hey, do you want to do it with me? And I'm like, hey, let's do it. So I'm here doing this, helping her. And also, you're helping me. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm helping. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, go ahead and kind of, I don't know, what did you do last time? What did we do last time? Um, I just did like a little short introduction and I'm more than happy to do it again. Um, well, I'm Jeanette Um I am Moni's younger cousin, which is like weird to say because I'm not, I mean, I'm still younger, but it, I'm not young anymore as like to when he met me. <laughs> um when i met you i was like 12 and i'm 22 now which is like 12 or 13 which is crazy to like say out loud hold 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 on hold on i didn't meet you when you were 12 homie yeah well you right no yeah dude i knew you as a little baby yeah i know but like i didn't like like officially met like i can say that about like any other cousin that's like a child now and you know what i mean like it's one thing to like or it's like you know we have we have um an uncle who has two sons and a daughter or no he's not even our uncle i don't know he's he's um part of the family somehow he's no you know him i don't <sighs> he's i don't know his name you, oh, you don't know his name. I was gonna say, just say the name and I'll bleep it out if anything. No, but he he helps own like the taquerias. He's on the mom side of of our, well, your mom's family, my dad. Because yeah. Long story short, their youngest daughter. Sorry, I didn't say cousins. They're actually technically like our uncle slash aunt. Oh. <laughs> Wow! Wow! You don't have to that, about dude, how, that is that's so fucking Mexican. Yeah, that's why I, I laughed. You, you're I like saying that. that, like it's literally no. it's okay. Yes, the uncle you're talking about is our grandma's youngest brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's so weird. I don't know that. Yeah. I mean, like I knew that they were like you know really. Yeah. Oh my god, wait, sorry, this is gonna be really funny for your podcast, because now you're making your- I'm gonna- okay, guess what? Our oh grandpa has Which a fucking girlfriend. <laughs> I actually- I already knew about that, yeah. Did you know about that? Dude, what the- like, I'm so I, sorry. I actually did, and honestly, I- the only reason I was surprised is because, um, I just- uh, how old-fashioned our family can be, I just didn't think that- what's gonna happen but no i um when i went to go visit my family my mom mentioned it i was like hells yeah go grandpa yeah honestly you know how she is no yeah okay i'm gonna not put that part in there (laughs) i'm not i'm not about okay 
No, right. look, you can look, look, you can either put it or put it not. The reason I think this is funny is because it's, I think it's kind of, these are like one of those like unspoken Latin things where like, like, how do I say, like, how do I say this? Like with how beautiful the culture is, there's also a lot of like weird stuff that just wouldn't slide nowadays like that. Or it does happen, and it's kind of one of those things that instead of people being like, you know, like when I had brought it up to my dad, he was like, yeah, and, like, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. it is what it is. But, like, if it was, if this was someone I knew dating someone, like, significantly younger like that, mm-hmm. for me, that feels like an issue. But I also, I don't know. I guess it's super, like, up in the air. Because then you can also say, like, well, they're both very much adults you know yeah so it's hard i don't know it's 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 hard to kind of like debate whether if it's like a bad thing or a good thing or whatever it is but let's just say it it is what it is it is what it is you know or even just leaving the whole segment about the arthea being like five and we just have to be like yeah that's that's her aunt, you know? Oh, yeah, because the youngest aunt that we have. She's like, I, I think she's like She's not now. 10. Oh, really? I don't know, 12. I don't know. I don't really keep up. I don't see. The thing is, the thing is, I don't keep up with her like that. Like, I met her when she was like a kid, but I don't really know her, know her. That's why yeah, I was saying like. I only met her once. and I think she was like two or three. <laughs> or maybe a little bit older. I don't know. But um, I remember they threw a big ass party and it was. It was literally. I think she wasn't even turning five, and these th- this aunt and uncle that we have threw a whole fucking pachanga with a the mariachi. They had like a little reserve, uh, re- like the reserved a little part at part table tables at this park, mm-hmm. dude. It was like, and and that's something that I don't think people would understand if they didn't grow up with it. But like that was just a regular old freaking birthday party. But the, the it was just kind of like a reason to celebrate, yes, her. But at the same time, it's like it's never. We it's had never a lot. Good. There was a lot of alcohol there, and like, yeah, the mariachi was popping, and the piñatas, and the food, and everything. I was like, it's a whole. You think someone just got married? Yeah. <laughs> but hey, well, it's it, it's it was nice growing up. Yeah, it's never it's never for the kids. Like I I think that's something I've come to terms with. Is that like people will throw parties and it's like, yeah, my kid just turned three. Let's all get shit faced. Like that, like since I'm sorry, but like out of context, if I told you, yeah, my baby is turning two. Do you want to get drunk? Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like that doesn't, that's not a kid's party at all, you know? Mm -hmm. And if anything, that makes you just sound irresponsible. But for Latin families, that's just a good time. That's a typical kind of party or having a baptism. It's a communion, a first first birthday, a wedding. Like they're gonna go all out. Maybe a lot more when if it's like a wedding or quinceanera, but they're gonna go all out. And that is that is the norm. I mean, like we can sh- sit here and shit talk it, but I also know that I have very like fond memories of like those gatherings. Oh, hold As, up, like, I was not sh- I was not shit talking that. Those were fun moments. Yeah, but anyways, um, we can't that was, a, that, that was a little tangent. Yeah, that was. It actually took up like the time that <laughs> that would have been my podcast, my side. 
Um, yeah. Continuing though, because I know okay. we just went off topic for literally like I think like ten minutes. Eight. Yeah, eight. ten minutes. If you guys didn't notice, ADHD is also very big in the family too. <laughs> I can I, I can help second that. Um, <laughs> so I will try my best to um, finish my literally my intro of introducing myself because I couldn't even do that. Oh shit! Yeah, but it's okay. It's okay. Um, yeah, I am her younger cousin, um, and I've been meaning to want to be a part of her podcast for some time. I think that this won't be the episode specifically that I'll be on as a whole, but it's still nice, I guess, to make like a like a guest appearance. Um, side note. Side note. You're gonna you're gonna hear my cousin say she her, and she's okay to do that. But it's still something I need to fix. But I appreciate it's you a guys. work in pro. It's a work in progress, and I understand that. But I, it would have to. There's a reason why it doesn't bother me when you do it, mm-hmm. or like you know, there's more of an explanation. But anyways, all right, moving on. Continue with your introduction. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I kind of wanted to jump on here uh, to talk about a project that I was doing, um, specifically on intersectionality. I think that's been like the word of the year for me because I've been learning about it a lot. And I think that um, it's been something that has made me feel as a like a Latin woman uh, very seen. Um, when I think of intersectionality, I think I always tie in um, feminism. And I, I think that we can all, I mean, see when it comes to feminism, um, there's white feminism and then there's you know women of color feminism and how you know white feminism is very much different um because it all really ties it ties back into um really just like culture you know Mm -hmm. and this isn't me necessarily saying that like you know because when i at least in my perspective when i think of white i think that you know you can be white and be french russian german and that's all that's all you know there's culture within that but um i think when you're like a white maybe a white woman in america um in comparison to a brown black um you know woman in america um that looks very different and so that's where I think the conversation of like uh, feminism and intersectionality kind of come in when it comes to POC women versus white women. Um, And that's what I'm kind of talking about because in my project, um, I'm going to be analyzing an article Mm -hmm. um, and kind of talking about it because it specifically talks about um, Chicana slash Latinas and um, essentially why we are the best example of intersectional thought um so that's what i'm just kind of talking today about with money um and my whole point of my paper really is just to educate you know um i found a lot of really interesting things within it and i'm really excited to just kind of talk about it because i think the fun of learning is 
at least for me, um, is learning new words to better explain my experience mm-hmm. um, or just like better ways to, yeah, just to, yeah, to explain my experience. Like there's so many things that I feel like I would have never given a name or never really would have known of had I not read, right? So um, that's a little bit of what I'm going to be talking about. Um, so okay. yeah. It's really interesting. So oh, I'm going to say this one thing and then we'll start on on your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, it it took me a little bit of it. It took me longer than I realized. Hold on. How do I say this? It took me a while to realize that I have white privilege. Yes, I am Mexican and I grew up in that. And everything like that, but I I do have that privilege of being able to not be targeted as much as other like family members or other people of color. And so, what I've been trying to do over the years is realize like where my privileges are and how I can use them to be an ally to other people and learn from that. So. Um, like this one time, this one person said, oh, but you're, you know, if you're Mexican, I call, I think of you as a person of color. And I was like, I understand what you mean. But I was like, to me, I don't relate to that because I haven't had the struggles that a lot of other people of color have had. And mm-hmm. so for me, this is also like another great opportunity. Like I'm always, I'm trying to learn how to be a better ally to anyone who's oppressed, marginalized. And so for me, I'm like this, I, I'm excited to also learn about this because I'm like, how can I, with my background, and um, be able to be a better person in this world by being a better ally and be, be able to have those words to help describe maybe what I've I've gone through, what other family members have gone through, other people have gone through. So that's another reason why like I'm super excited to to have this, and that's why I also think it's very interesting and. Now, I don't think um, interesting or, or cool or fascinating. I, I don't know that I can think of the right word, but with us being cousins and us having, we're very, we're similar in the way that we got like an upbringings, but we're also very different. And mm-hmm. so um, even just before like talking about our cultural similarities and differences, it's uh, it's very interesting to compare just us whose parents mm-hmm. or siblings, you know? And that, yeah. that upbringing so it's like so vastly yeah. similar and different between just us so it's like i don't know does that does that make sense it does yeah it does okay all and, right but there, that in itself though is like a perfect example of intersectionality though like you know what i mean like that that there is great because you know you have different factors that make you you but only like as a Latino, you would understand, right? Mm-hmm. Like in the sense where, you know, you you identify as like you. I mean, you're Mexican, but you're white passing, right? Mm-hmm. A Mexican as a Mexican woman, like I understand that because mm-hmm. I also am well aware of our history mm-hmm. and how there are people that look like you though in Mexico. You know what I mean? It's just a majority of the time they're like from fucking Guadalajara, <laughs> which makes sense. <laughs> because that's because if you know historically, Guadalajara is just known for being like whiter because yeah. of just the people who decided to plant themselves there. 
Mm-hmm. And so other and and you know you're I don't know who who had tell, told you your friend telling you like oh but in my eyes you're a person of color but no because you don't get it because you don't understand the whole point of like me being a light you know a white passing like like you know Latino um I understand where I have this privilege whereas darker Latinos don't mm-hmm. but we only get it with one another that a i see you still as latin because i also know that well back home our area is whiter but that's just because we know you know what i mean the same way that like every every latin like every latino within mexico like has their own look yeah but you would only really know if you're from there you know so you have you have this like now I mean maybe you mean you can even consider that like an intersectional like you know thing about being Latina is like I'm I'm Mexican where the majority of my people look like per se me, but I look white, but I still have this upbringing of you know X Y and Z, and then on top of that like I pass as a white woman, but I also have you know expectations of a Latin woman. And then on top of that, I have, oh, let's just add on the fact that, like, I'm a part of, like, the LGBT community. And, you know, in Guadalajara, it's accepting, but in some places it's not. And you know what I mean? It's, like, it's layers. It's all these different layers. And it's, like, it's, like, whoa, like, what, like, what do I even, like, where do I even, like, start with this? And so that's really where I'm kind of talking about this specifically is that in this article, they talk about how sociologists like find it hard to kind of like dissect because we're too quote unquote like ethnic, and and a lot of that though comes from the fact that like straight up like it doesn't really matter where you're where you are like in whether you're in your homeland or in the U.S. like you're always going to bring whatever you had from your home country to wherever it is that you are. Yeah. You know? And so like, it's, it's, and it's one of those things too, where it's like, you know, when you think of like, for example, like Chicanismo being Chicana, and this is specifically talking about that community. Like I always say that's a very, that's a very much like us, um, community and the reason I say this is because when I think of Chicanos I think of Mexican Americans like that's an American subculture that was or, or culture yeah that was made here yeah. in the U.S. from you know first generation Mexicanos and so oh my god my train of thought's dying um but regardless like they still brought over ideologies from their community they still help they still help the community back you know like their families like I know I'm kind of like I'm I'm kind of tangenting right now, but <sighs> my bad. Okay, I, my okay. train of thought. Yeah. So sorry. Okay, so let's just boom. Let's just go straight into it. Um, and oh, I know you like I know we were talking about like a like like the intro thing. Or, I can do that. Like yeah, over. intro. I know. I was gonna say I was like, if you don't have an intro, I was gonna be like, I mean, maybe I, I could be like, hey, welcome to the Nessie podcast. I know this yeah. is the voice that you're used to hearing. That's because I am indeed not Nessie. I'm yeah. indeed the cousin. Hello. What cousin? <laughs> the cousin. 
Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yes. And then or something like, yeah, welcome. I don't know. Does that make like I you know if that's really fine. I'm totally it's kind of like an intro. Okay, 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 hold on. <clears throat> I'll start over. <clears throat> Hello. So the podcast is uh, I'm so sorry. Did you hear that? Was that was that the kitty? No, that was my boyfriend. He oh. was singing. I'm gonna go close the door so that like in okay. case he makes more noise. Also, it's called Confetti with Strangers. I'm drinking coffee. Hello. <laughs> okay. Did you uh, did you hear that? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. I feel like I'm rotting. <laughs> well, that was the Nutsy Podcast. Oh my god, you got that? <laughs> Yeah, um, I really hope that you guys got something out of this. Um, I know that it was a little like I was kind of telling my cousin, thick with two C's, just because it is a lot. Um, And I really did try my best to try to condense this as little as possible. Um, Even though if I could have made this much longer... I would have totally done it because I think this is one of those things that deserves to be a little bit longer. But unfortunately, I'm capped at 10 minutes for my project. Um, But I definitely feel like I'm going to be using this information on a day-to-day basis. Um, And if you guys are interested, I'm more than happy to send you the actual Olsen, my cousin. Actually, no, just send it to me um, and then I'll just upload it in the show notes yeah because it's it's honestly a really good read like i had a lot of fun with it um i just had to condense it like a lot um but i really really appreciate this thank you for listening to me ramble this was a lot harder than i thought it was going to be so um shout out people who make podcasts because this was hard i stutter way too much to do this (laughs) Or not stutter, but podcasts are about rambling, which I can do. But I think this was more of like an assigned ramble. So that didn't really feel like a ramble. There is a reason I take a while to edit these videos. It's because I also ramble, go um. So I cut a lot of those out so it doesn't sound as much. So, oh. <laughs> But yeah, uh, I literally like as as you've been working on that, like I told you, I'm, I'm typing up some stuff. Um, so by the time that I release this, I will have already released this mini sode. And this one is about the Uruguayan flight, the um, Air Force Flight 571. Have you heard of that? Mm-mm. Miracle in the Andes that happened in the 1970, 1972. Mm-mm. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm not to tell you about it. But anyways, yeah. So I'm literally typing up um, all of this I've been working on this for weeks and I have including one okay one page is sources two pages are pictures um so I have 14 pages almost almost 14 pages mm-hmm. damn of uh about this t- about that because I'm not only talking about the flights but I'm also talking about like afterwards and I'm, I'm giving a lot more information than I think I've ever uh, heard because I've heard about this uh, a little bit 
But anyways, yeah, no, it's a, it's a lot of work for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm just like, oh, yeah, having people talk to me and tell me their stories, I don't have to really do as much work because I'm just listening to what they what they're saying, and I'm, there's not a lot of pre work research that I need to do as much. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah, it's it's a lot. Um, but no, I'll, I'll definitely, um, I definitely do want that because I, I do think it was really interesting. Um, I did not realize how long this was gonna, or how little time this was. Yeah, you were gonna have. I was like, damn, ten minutes. That's easy, but no. I think especially for someone that like wants to put in, because we had to cut out so much info that I wanted to put in, and like, I'm not gonna lie, I was like kind of bummed because like, there's so much more to it, and I feel like I had to just like generalize it. You can mention any of that right now if you want, technically. I mean, like... I, but I also know that you're really tired. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone who wants to... Who is going to listen to this, I have a Christmas tree in the back of my car that I have to still put up. And it is 11. And maybe to some of you, that's not... That's nothing. But I, I, I uh, have to wake up very early for my job. So it's either I drive around with a Christmas tree in the back of my car... Or I put it up right now. So I think I'm going to do the second one. Honestly, that wouldn't be the weirdest thing. Driving around the Christmas tree? Yeah. Yeah, but it just would kind of feel stupid for me. Like I just turn around and I'm like, oh, because it's not, it's not a, it's not a fake tree. It's a real tree. Yeah. So it just, it just, and it's, oh, it's like, it's wrapped up. So it looks like I kidnapped it. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yeah, like or it it feels like there's this one I think episode of SpongeBob where like he like I think they like uh, he he I think he's like robbing a place. I'm gonna look it up. And I'm looking it up now too because now I'm questioning it. Is is it an actual tree? (laughs) I typed in SpongeBob robbing and the bank thing popped up. Oh God! What is it? I it's it's not like he's stealing something. No. Um. Oh my God! This is like. Is it a Christmas tree? No, it's not. It's not. Oh. Um. I guess I'm not an actual fan if I can't remember that. <laughs> oh my God! What is so okay? So it's the episode of the egg sack, and I think that they're like. Look, oh my god, okay, here it is. My tree looks like that. Like, it reminds me of <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, I'm going to add that when I post this on Instagram. I'm going to add that at the very end. And so if you don't listen to the episode, you're going to be very confused. I was like, why is there a SpongeBob thing on here? Specifically that. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. Like the tree is literally like tied up like that. So when I saw it, I was like, I can't. Like it just looks so stupid for me to like keep in the back. What did you? What did you Google? I just looked up SpongeBob egg sack. Cause you remember that episode? Okay, send that to me then. Send this to me. <laughs> I literally, I literally t- I put um, SpongeBob egg sack, and that's not coming up. I, I was on Google Images and then 
I knew that they were like shooting stuff, you know, or like to capture it. And then I was like, okay, I know it's this episode. So then I clicked this photo and then I went down and then that's where I found this one. So I'll send it over to you. Just not just in case. Oh, 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 maybe, maybe. Found it. Oh, okay, see. Yay. Okay, cool. Well, it was really fun being with you guys. I had a lot of fun. It's always really fun catching up with my cousin as well. They're very fun to talk to. Great company. Um, so I appreciate all the conversations that we have. And I'm sure that I'm totally not forcing Nancy to say all of this. Because that monotone response is totally coming <laughs> it's, from the it's heart. It's genuine, guys. I'm just really tired. <laughs> I know, which is funny. Like, like their little pause moment. And you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm keeping you up. You look so tired. I'm like, I just had coffee. I took my medication. I was like, I'm solid. Right now, I'm not going to sleep until anywhere from like midnight to 2 a.m. So I'm like, this is just a permanent look on my face no, now. <laughs> Oh, the baggy eyes, all the swings and overnights. It's just, it's there. Yeah. You can but, see it on my but face. But you're doing, you're doing the Lord. You're doing, you're doing great. With- you're doing, were you going to say that you're doing the Lord's work? Yeah. And then I was like, she doesn't, she doesn't believe. I mean, I don't either, but still, I was like, I don't think that's going to make sense. But in like more, in a comedic sense, yeah, you're doing the Lord's work of taking care of animals. I like, I, I, I think that's, I would have understood the comedic sense of that. Okay, I don't know why I had to pause, and I was like, "Wait, I don't know if she'd be or because would be like, you're because you're tired." Yeah, you look like you're about to like hit the keyboard. If I could right now, I would go drink some juice and then sleep. But the tree. Do you do? You, can you just like put like just put it out in the living room and then boom, just worry about it? I have to like screw it into the stand. I don't know because it's not. Like, it's, it's like, the stand in itself, I think you have to, like, screw that part into the wood. And that's what keeps it up. How about you just bring it into the apartment and then leave it there and then do it the next day. Like, worry about it the next day. I also don't, I also don't trust my cat. I don't know what she'll do. I feel like she'll just be like, I don't know. I don't know. Fair enough. She's unpredictable. Fair enough. Um, put it in the bathtub? <laughs> Unless her litter box is in the, lo- in the bathtub. Or in the bathroom. It's not. Okay. I was like, I don't, I don't know, but it's like valid. It's a cat. Oh, speaking of cat, this is actually, wait, this is going to probably come out after Christmas, so it may not even matter or not, but I'm like, it's a cat. Cats love. We've already, like, literally within, like, 30 minutes of work the other day, we had, like, three animals come in because they got, one of them gone um, into, like, a Christmas ornament that ate it. The other one ate, like, some sort of chocolate, and there was something else having to do with they ate something they weren't supposed to. So, yeah, holidays. Mm-hmm. Uh, be careful. So just be careful because Sochi might might be like, ooh, that looks tasty. And surprise, it's not edible. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've seen so many like stories on Instagram about that. Like we're, we're I think I saw like a couple who um managed to put their tree on the like on the fucking ceiling because their cat would keep trying to like attack <laughs> it. So when the cat saw it, they like the cat was like meowing like in an upset yeah. tone. And like their owners were like, yeah, yeah, you can't get to it anymore, huh? You're pissed, or like they were mm-hmm. just like, we know you're mad that you can't get to it. It's fine. Um, so I hope I hope my cat's not too invested in it. She's also just like a really lazy, like fat cat. She's not. So she's honestly really not even that fat. She's not that heavy. 
She's not. Can you tell that to my sisters? Because they keep fat shaming my cat, dude. I, I, I mean, she's, I, like she's, she's really not she that. It's really not that significant. You know, just what I've been seeing through the videos and, and photos, like it's not that significant. Um, but you know what's funny? Like this, really quickly, this reminds me that um, when we were living in Idaho, that was like kind of like the we we always had like a small tree, and so when we lived in in Idaho, we started having a bigger tree. And we put candy canes on there, but then we had to stop putting candy canes on there because Jose would eat them all. They wouldn't last. And so I thought it just kind of remind me, made me think of like the cats, like you can't have anything nice because then the cat's going to get to it. <laughs> yeah. So she's like not that chaotic, but you, you still never know. You never know. But anyways, guys, um, I'm going to, I'm going to dip because I have to go get that set up. And when I mean me, I mean my boyfriend. <laughs> I have to just help him. All right. Well, um, all right. I'm going to sign off too because I'm going to keep working on that uh, the that episode, the other one. And then I'm also going to relax for the rest of the night. Um, yeah. So thanks for listening. Um, I have no idea how this is going to turn out because I'm going to be editing I don't know how it's going to out, <laughs> but I hope you guys liked it. Um, I hope you guys learned some stuff. Uh, I definitely did. Um, and yeah. Bye, y'all. Bye. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Nutsy Podcast. I know this isn't the voice that you're used to hearing. That's because I am indeed the cousin. What cousin? The cousin. Now for your official host. Hello. I kind of wanted to jump on here to talk about a project that I was doing um, specifically on intersectionality. I think that's been like the word of the year for me because I've been learning about it a lot. It's been something that has made me feel as a like a Latin woman uh, very seen. I'm going to just jump right into it. My article is Chicanas Estados Latinos Advance intersectional thought and practice by Maxine Vacazin and Ruth Ian Zambrana. All right, so in the article, Chicanas Las Latinas Advance, intersectional thought and practice by Maxine Vacazin and Ruth Ian Zambrana, the author speaks about how intersectionality within Latinas Las Chicanas are overlooked and not fully understood. The author explains that Chicanas and Latinas also have a hard time with being represented with the duality of their background. They mention how it is difficult for sociologists to be able to dissect them since they are so broad in their identity or were described as too ethnic. While this is true to an extent, it it highlights the lack of understanding that sociologists have made to realize that Chicana slash Latina experiences is the best example of intersectionality here in the U.S. Um, this article was interesting to me because I never considered myself as someone whose identity can be identified as intersectional as a whole. I knew that intersectionality was, and well, I knew what it was, and I knew that I could identify with it, but this article took that and set it to another level for me. I felt that this article also really emphasized the beauty and uniqueness that comes with coming from a Latin American background. Um, the main question that I'm going to be answering today is what makes us the best example of intersectional idea or intersectional thought? Um, and, you know, uh, the people who, the stakeholders in this issue would be really Latinas in the U.S. and here in both Latin America. Um, and so I wanted to just start and dive in into my question. Um, I wanted to start off by talking about Latinos as a whole. 
um, in the article that they describe us as um, epistemic and rooted in social science treatments of inequality. The first reason for the omission lies in sociology's long-standing race paradigm of black and white divide. This biracial model did not apply to Latinos. Um, as again, quoted as too ethnic, often counted as white in spite of their racialized identities and expected to assimilate into dominant social institutions. And this made me want to kind of go into depth about racialized identities. Um, as they say, or as I looked up in my own time, in sociology, racialization and ethnization is a political process of describing ethnic and or racial identities into a relationship, social practice, or group that did not identify itself as such for the purpose of domination and social exclusion. Um, the last quote I had mentioned speaks about how Latinos are basically pushed to assimilate into being white. And as I know that a lot of us have had to probably fill out boxes saying that we are white and that we obviously don't connect with that, um, how as Latinas, do we fight not to assimilate into a white dominant society while also fighting the gender roles of our own? Um, so the ways that I was able to find through the article um, were two things. Um, a mestiza consciousness and um, also bringing up feminist standpoint uh, theory. So mestiza consciousness is the basic concept that involves the ability to hold multiple social perspectives while simultaneously maintaining a center that revolves around concrete forms of oppression. Um, that ties in with the feminist standpoint because as a Latina, um, depending on where you are, or not even depending where you are, but just being Latina, um, you find it, you start to realize the layers that come with it. And that's where feminist standpoint theory comes in because it claimed that women's social location, viewpoints, and experiences are resources of conducting knowledge about the social world. An example of this can be that through the 1960s slash 70s, a substantial body of Chicana writing on race, gender, and sexuality became what Hancock called intersectional-like thinking. Um, Hancock's founding narrative of intersectionality underscores the activist roots and political narratives of unheralded and diverse women, including Chicana women writing, who refused to engage in political analysis without attention to multiple categories. Following this approach, another Chicana feminist scholar, for example, Perez and Fragoso, analyzed selected features of Mexican women's histories, identities, and feminism on both sides of the border. Um, without directly labeling their approaches as intersectional, they provided a rigorous examination of multiple interconnected oppressions in transnational settings. Here, Chicanas are not only fighting for their own rights, but acknowledging that their roots back home have the same issues and will not just stand here fighting for themselves, knowing that they've got sisters that, although across straight lines that might be far, are not far from their own reality as well. Um, another example of Latinas having other Latinas' backs can be found in a conference called Encuentros, um, or a synopsis that bridges the, academ the academy and community-connected activists from both sides of the border. Um, some people provided a vivid account of alliances between a group of U.S. Chicanas and Latinas from Colorado and indigenous women in Chiapas, Mexico. She illustrated shared resist resistance strategies across borders of space, geography, language, and culture. Through the organization Las Hermanas, the U.S. women sought to move beyond the confines of both Colorado and the United States to link their strategies with the histories of other women, especially non-Indigenous women in Mexico.
much like Anza Lua's articulation of Mestiza consciousness or Sandoval's oppositional consciousness, Las Hermanas maintained that Chicanas shared a social, political, and economical location with women in Mexico by virtue of the relationship to colonialism, globalization, and racial, gendered, and class subordination in this century. To sum up my thought, Latinas having a mestiza consciousness has not only helped with themselves with understanding one another, but has also been able to connect with community members outside of their states and even country because no matter how far one may be from one another, there will always be an understanding of what it is to be a Latin woman in a patriarchal slash machista world. We have layers that are transnational and connect with other Latin, Latin women that you'd think would be different due to area, but instead are an assistance to healing. We all have background in being oppressed, colonized, stereotyped, given general specific to Latin standards, Latino standards, and see one another through it, just like the groups of women in Colorado connecting with women in Chiapas, that although in two different countries, still connect to their history that adds on to their intersectional identity. All in all, community members should consider asking Latinas about their intersectional experiences. Because through conversations, other Latin women of all types of ages, both young, older, or even people my age, um, all who have gone through similar issues, have found themselves finding comfort in other Latin women. Not because they know them deeply, but because they understand the standards that each of us through our culture has. I really do find this topic to be one that everyone should reflect on, and it has made me feel closer to communities that i find myself feeling so far away from. Having relatives that I feel are so far can feel closer, all because we are women living in a racist, machista world who is really only understood by us. The only way to learn about us is to ask. We are born into a set of rules, and as time has gone by, we are only doing more to break them and live an unapologetic life.